we do spend a good amount of time kicking ideas around, but, and that is the fun part, but that's a very small percentage of what this is all about. Uh, as any entrepreneur can tell you, it's all about execution. Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Adam Mendler, welcome to the Black Diamond Podcast, my friend. Eric, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to have you. You're a fellow podcaster. You are an entrepreneur through and through. You have great insights into multiple different industries, and uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So, you know, there's so many places we can start with you. You have the 30-Minute Mentors. You're, I believe, a co-founder or founder of the Veloz Group. You have quite a backstory as an entrepreneur. So I guess we start there, man. Do you want to give us your, your, your backstory as an entrepreneur and how you got to be where you are now? Sure. So the name of my company, the Veloz Group, is named after Veloz Avenue. It's a street I grew up on in Tarzana, California. So mm -hmm. For listeners who are not familiar with Tarzana, it is in Los Angeles. So I grew up in LA in the San Fernando Valley and I'm an accidental entrepreneur. As a kid, I wanted to run a baseball team. That was my dream from the time I was seven years old all the way through my early twenties. And life takes you in different directions. I went to USC, had a great experience in college while I was at USC and even before my time at USC, I had some jobs and internships in the world of sports. My first internship was working for a big sports agent, one of the biggest, uh, most successful agents in Major League Baseball. And while I was in college, I did an internship for the NBA and their summer basketball league. I had some other really interesting jobs and internships along the way. My first job out of college was working for what was then the largest hedge fund in the world, a company called D.E. Shaw. And uh, at age 25, I got my MBA, went to UCLA Business School. And at age 28, I had worked for two of the largest financial services companies in the world. I had interned at two of the biggest entertainment companies in the world. I had a good taste as to what life was like in corporate America. And I felt like if there was ever a time to do something entrepreneurial, it was then and there. My energy was never going to be higher. My expenses were never going to be lower. It was just that right time. And I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make an impact. I felt like it was just everything aligned for me to take that leap. And my brother felt similarly. He's two years younger than me. He was working as a software developer and we have very different skills. We thought that we went and did this together. We would do something and build something and make a real difference. And here we are all these years later and we haven't looked back. That's awesome, man. And it's, it's cool to get to work with your brother. Is he, did you say he's older or younger? He's younger. He's uh, two years younger than me. Got it. Um, I, I want to unpack a little bit of that story too, because uh, one of the things you mentioned is you knew it was the right time, right time to take a leap right? Uh, I think a lot of people who maybe are entrepreneurs or aspiring to be, um, they're wondering when is that right time to take a leap? How did you know when it was the right time for Adam? Yeah. So this is a great question. And 
the right time for Adam isn't necessarily the right time for other entrepreneurs. Sure. And I'm personally asked this question quite a bit. I have been asked this question a lot over the years. I have mentored formally, informally, lots of people over the years. I've had tons of interns work for me. And this is a question that anyone interested in entrepreneurship has. And the answer that I give people is don't take the entrepreneurial leap unless you have a great idea that you are dedicated to pushing on that deeply compels you to drop everything you're doing and go all in on your business. Because being an entrepreneur is exponentially harder than anything else you're going to do. It's exponentially harder than working a job. It's exponentially harder than anyone is going to tell you that it is. You have to really do it yourself to understand just how challenging it is. When I was starting the Velos Group or thinking about starting the Velos Group, other entrepreneurs told me this. A friend of mine, actually a good buddy who, uh, Eric, I know that you're a big uh, fitness guy and a lot of the work you do is in the fitness industry. And uh, a very close friend of mine started the company that created the perfect push-up, And oh, yeah. he told me back in the day, Adam, you don't realize how hard this is. <laughs> and you don't realize how, how hard starting a business is going to be. And I, I don't want to say I brushed it off, but I didn't really internalize it. And I, his name is Mark. And I take the same thing that Mark told me. I tell that to everyone. And I don't think people can really understand it until they do it themselves. But that is my advice to listeners, which is unless and until you have something that drives you so deeply that you're ready to drop everything else going on in your life to do it, stay in your day job. Now, in my case, my circumstances were a little bit different. It wasn't like there was a burning passion for a single idea that we had. My brother and I had tons of different ideas. We probably had 10 or more ideas that we wanted to push on. And that was why we started the Velos Group, which was a consortium of the different ideas we had. And we actually made a pretty big mistake, which was we pushed on all of our ideas at once, but that's a whole nother conversation. But I was compelled by other reasons. I was compelled by the reasons that I mentioned in my response to your first question. And I don't necessarily know that that was the right thing to do, but I did it. And I think the most important thing is when you do something, when you make a decision, you, you have to live with it. You have to learn um, from any decision you make, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision. Uh, in, in my case, was this a good decision? Was this a bad decision? I don't know. Time will tell. Hopefully it was a good decision. Hopefully I've been able to create value and impact lives in more meaningful ways as an entrepreneur than I would have been able to in corporate America. But you never really know what door number two looks like because you can only open up one door at a time. Well said. It, it's interesting to me. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this too, Adam, is that you know maybe over the last, I don't know, I'll say 10 years just for sake of conversation that entrepreneurship has become sexier, right? Uh, especially I think, you know, the development of the Silicon Valley and major investment pools and things like that have really made it interesting. You know, I, I and I sometimes a struggle to actually define what an entrepreneur is versus a self-employed or a business person. Um, but there's, it's, it's really important that I think people understand that, you know, the social media lifestyle that you see of many entrepreneurs is far far different than the day-to-day -day life. And having been in corporate America and now, um, you know, full-on engaged in entrepreneurship, and I know what you said it's hard to explain unless you experience it, but, if, but take a stab at it, man. What, what makes it so much harder to be an entrepreneur than being in, in a, a more typical corporate environment? Great question. And I'll address the point that you made, which is something that I can tell you every single one of our interns has witnessed up close and personally. 
we've had intern after intern after intern think about entrepreneurship as something extremely glamorous yes for a variety of reasons and whether it's because you watch the social network or you watch silicon valley or you watch shark tank or whatever you're watching or whatever podcast you're listening to or whatever books you're reading that tend to glamorize this it's not glamorous this is hard work the ceo is also the chief of janitorial services if my office isn't clean and i want a clean office i've got to make sure that it's clean so that's something that doesn't get shown in videos because no one really wants to watch that you're not going to get ratings if you show the ceo picking up trash it's not fun to watch we've had a lot of interns over the years who have thought that being an entrepreneur entails sitting around a room and brainstorming and kicking ideas around and when you're done doing that then you drink beers and when you're done drinking beers then you play pool or ping pong and then after that you eat pizza and then you go to bed at 2am and you wake up the next day and do it all over again i can tell you, i don't i don't eat pizza i don't drink beer i, I, don't, I don't play pool um, I, I do work out and i drink protein shakes but we do spend a good amount of time kicking ideas around but and that is the fun part but that's a very small percentage of what this is all about uh, as any entrepreneur can tell you it's all about execution the ideas are all over the place it's executing on your ideas that differentiate the entrepreneurs who make it from the entrepreneurs who don't so did i did that answer your question i know that this is a topic eric that you and i could could spend the entire show talking about we could probably do an entire series on because anyone who's an entrepreneur can tell you that this is way more of a grind than anyone gets unless you're in the game i'll i'll give you a good analogy uh i've had the privilege of being able to interview lots of the most successful athletes professional football players professional baseball players professional basketball players i have a podcast 30 minute mentors where i go one on one with the most successful people in the country some of them are professional athletes uh but i also have an, an interview series that i've done over the years in another platform where i've interviewed hundreds of america's top leaders and a question that i've asked a lot of the most famous athletes is what is something about being an nfl player that would surprise people or what is something about being a major league baseball player that would surprise people and as a kid i grew up dreaming about playing professional baseball i was never good enough to i mean i was a very mediocre high school baseball player so being a major league baseball player was nothing more than a dream for me and what's interesting to me is how many of these guys say over and over again it's a lot less glamorous on the inside than it is on the outside it's a job it's a routine a lot of it is a grind you show up you you work you do what you have to do on a day in and day out basis to get your job done you work hard you pound through your daily routine and then you do the next thing the next day and it's not all that different as an entrepreneur no no it's not and i i've had the opportunity as you have and i'm definitely we're definitely going to get into your podcast too because it's 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 substantial it's a, it's a it's a nice body of work um but entrepreneurship one of the reasons i i like this podcast and and when we get the opportunity um ken and and the rest of the level 5 team to get people together in person which maybe a while uh we had our last one uh last november is you get all these entrepreneurs in a room and all of a sudden things become relatable and uh you know a lot of people listening to this are going to understand what we're talking about but maybe spouses family friends they may not be relatable to the struggles that you have as an entrepreneur and um you know a lot of entrepreneurs let's be honest don't make a lot of money for a very long period of time and there's also a very high uh degree of depression anxiety 
um, a lot of things that go along with the high level of uncertainty and rejection and failure that we have to deal with in order to get to where we want to go. And I think that's something that needs to be expressed more authentically and honestly with people as they start to venture into it. Because, hey, there's nothing wrong with having a, a great job that's traditional that provides a lifestyle for you and your family. And I think sometimes that gets um, part of my friends who get shit on and it shouldn't be. And I can tell you, I've had both as you, as, as have you, you know, I, I personally self-select into entrepreneurship and being in business for myself because I'm not a very good employee, man. I, uh, I'm just not, um, I'll try to game the system. I'll, uh, you know, status quo makes my, my skin crawl. Um, so that's, that's why I do it. I didn't do it because I want to be a glamorous entrepreneur or business owner. I did it because I just don't, I don't have a very good relationship with authority, I guess. And uh, that's just me being honest. And I think a lot of people I talk to behind closed doors or in these groups when we meet, um, you know, in a very personal setting, uh, it's, it's very similar, you know. Um, and I'm curious if that's been part of your experience as well. I think it's really important to understand what is driving you to do this. Right. What is motivating you to be an entrepreneur? And I tell people all the time because I do quite a bit of speaking. I speak to businesses. I speak to college students. I speak to nonprofit organizations. I speak to leaders. I speak to aspiring leaders and anyone and everyone in between. And a key theme that I try to really convey to audiences that I'm speaking to is when you're thinking about whatever it is that you're pursuing in your career, no matter what stage you're in in your career, whether that's someone starting out or whether that's someone mid-career thinking about where they want to go or someone already really successful thinking about what they want to do with the rest of their life. The three buckets that I think about are number one, are you doing something that you really enjoy? Mm. Number two, are you doing something that you're really good at? And number three, are you doing something that is allowing you to make a meaningful, positive impact in the lives of others? And entrepreneurship for a lot of us, Eric, is a vehicle to check all three of those boxes. Yes. For me, it's a vehicle to check all three of those boxes. My podcast is a vehicle to check all three of those boxes. My speaking is a vehicle for me to check all three of those boxes. And my e-commerce businesses are a vehicle for me to check all three of those boxes. I have a company, I don't know if we'll get into it on the podcast, but one of my businesses is called Beverly Hills Chairs. We're the leading sellers in the country of refurbished brand name office chairs. And building that business, getting to the point where we've become the number one seller in the country of refurbished brand name office chairs, it's a niche, but we've sold to lots of the most successful companies in the country. I'm guessing this podcast is streaming on Spotify. We sold a lot of chairs over the years to Spotify. Uh, I know that uh, Eric, you're based in, in uh, Montana and that's, you mentioned to me off the air that well, there's a lot of military stuff happening in Montana. We sold to West Point. We sold to a lot of major universities. So, a lot, a lot of interesting clients all over America and getting to that was a lot of hard work, but building that business was and is an opportunity for me to make a positive difference in the lives of others. It's a way for me to spend my time doing things that I enjoy doing and doing things that I'm good at. So for those of us who are entrepreneurs, and we're able to do that, great. But you don't need to be an entrepreneur to do that. You can go get a job, and if that job checks all three of those boxes, go and do it. Because as we've talked about, it's a much easier path. It's For most of us, it's a path of far less resistance. But as you said, there are lots of people out there who can't hold jobs. I know a lot of entrepreneurs like you, Eric, I've been a part of masterminds and 
mastermind groups and I've been around lots of people who are entrepreneurs who could never work in corporate America. And some of them are really successful entrepreneurs. Some of them completely crush it. Some of them kind of scuffle, but if you can't hold a job and this is all you can do, I get it. But there are a lot of other people who are entrepreneurs because of other reasons. They want to make a positive difference and this is how they're doing it. They want to make a lot of money and this is how they're doing it. They have a great idea that they're pursuing and this is what they want to do. There are lots and lots of reasons why people become entrepreneurs. And I think it's important to understand the why and get into it for the right reasons. Nice. Well said, Adam. So uh, the Velos group, explain to me how is that structured? So you guys, Velos group is, is it the parent company and then you have companies underneath? How, how, how is that whole thing structured? Exactly. The Velos group is our parent company and the Velos group has a number of portfolio companies. We have three different businesses that we have started, that we continue to run, that are underneath the Velo's umbrella. One of them is Beverly Hills Chairs, which I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, Beverly Hills Chairs is the leading seller in the country of refurbished Herman Miller chairs. So the Herman Miller Aeron chair, the Herman Miller Mira chair, the Steelcase Leap chair, each of these chairs sell for over $1,000 brand new. And what we do is we sell them at deeply discounted pricing, 50% or more off each of these chairs. We sell to lots of businesses all across America. And since the pandemic, we've been selling to tons of home offices all across America. Hmm. So that's Beverly Hills Chairs. Custom Tobacco is another business we have. Very unique business. If you go to customtobacco.com, you can create your own fully customized private label cigar in real time. I love it. So premium private label cigars. Everything is customized. The shape, the size, the blend, the wrapper, the filler, the flavor, the cigar band. So you can create your own fully customized cigar band. Really popular for gifts, really popular for events. Anything from a groomsman gift to bachelor party to Father's Day to corporate events, weddings to the kind of gift you want to get to your for your buddy to your boss to your client. So it's a unique business with a unique twist, and it's been a kind of a cool experience for us. And then our last business, Velo Solutions, is a software development company where we work with early stage to middle market companies on custom software development. We work with lots of innovative clients and we found a bit of a niche in the insurance space. So we've been working with a number of really interesting life insurance businesses over the years, but we've also done a lot of work in virtual reality. We've worked with some nonprofit organizations. We were actually, uh, we built a, dating app. So a lot of interesting things. Yeah. I, I'm, well, you know, I'm curious about all of those businesses, but I guess just for the sake of time, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into the, the chair refurbished chairs. How did you, sure. how did you come up with that idea? Where did that come from? So it was not my idea. It was my brother's idea. And okay. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I'm very much an accidental entrepreneur. I wasn't someone who at age seven aspired to be an entrepreneur. I aspired to run a baseball team, but my brother has always had that entrepreneurial itch, that entrepreneurial drive. And my brother had this idea. He was buying and selling these chairs out of his apartment. And um, he was just kind of, buying a couple and flipping them and refurbishing them himself. And to turn it into a real business, he realized that it would require a level of what we'll just call it work, a level of uh, professionalism that 
um, someone like me could help take this, turn it into a real business. So that's when we got involved. That's when we kind of took his concept and turned it into Beverly Hills Chairs. And in business, in anything in life, Eric, I'm not aware of an overnight success. And it took us a lot of time. It took us many years, really, to take my brother's idea and concept of buying and selling these chairs out of his apartment and turn it into what it is now, which is a business that is seamlessly servicing tons of customers all across America. You know, it's a, I don't want to say we're a household name company uh, on par with the household name businesses that I interview on my podcast. We're not as well known as Gold's Gym or Kayak or uh, Birchbox. I'm just trying to think of some of the CEOs who I've been interviewing, but we've, we're selling to those types of companies and to, to go from a garage type business to that has required a, a lot of, as you, you know, from your experience building businesses has required a lot of grinding has required a, a lot of, uh, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, literally. Yeah. It's uh, and I've never, I've never seen an overnight success either, Adam. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting to be one someday uh, that people can talk about. And it's, it's, that's a fascinating story. I, I love it. And it does take time. And I think that's people, things that people need to realize too, is, you know, patience is a big part of entrepreneurship as well. Um, it's, it's walking that line, as I say, between uh, patience and urgency right? You got to kind of make some sprints and then you got to let it marinate for a while and you got to do it again. Uh, and that's, that's been my experience. And man, you, you mentioned Adam, you know, CEO of Gold's Gym and I'm looking at your podcast. I would love to talk about your podcast, man, the 30 minute mentors. Uh, it's, it's fantastic show. You looks like you got about, um, 34 episodes. W when did you start this show? I launched it in January. So I launched it right at the end of January of 2020, so mm -hmm. earlier this year. And as of today's recording, we're at episode number 34. So once a week, I'll release a new episode. I've got a bunch of episodes that I've already recorded and a bunch of guests in the pipeline. I have a few interviews lined up over the next few weeks and months and been rolling. It's just been a ton of fun. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the guest list is undeniable. You got from Rob Lowe to NBA legend, Rick Barry, um, Barry's bootcamp CEO, Joey Gonzalez, like Terrell Davis. Uh, I'm a 49ers fan, Anthony Scaramucci. You got it. You got all the bases covered here, man. I have to say as a, as a, uh, well, what's describe the format of the show. What is, what is the goal of the show? So it's, Pretty straightforward. The name of the show is 30 Minute Mentors. So the format of the show is 30 minute conversations with the most successful people in the country on how they got to the top. And more importantly, on how listeners can get to the top as well. My goal with the podcast is to bring listeners access to the most successful people in the country. And in turn, to give listeners access to the best network of mentors possible and to do so in 30 minute increments. Now I'm not always successful in keeping these episodes to 30 minutes on the dot. Sometimes they stretch out to 33 minutes or 35 minutes, but I try to be as respectful as I can of that 30 minute mark because I recognize that at the end of the day, anyone tuning in is busy. My listeners range from college students all the way up to the kinds of people who guest on my podcast. A lot of my guests are actually avid listeners of the podcast. So there are CEOs, there are investors, there are board members, there are military leaders uh, who are avid listeners of 30-minute mentors, as well as college students and early to mid-career professionals and tons and tons of entrepreneurs. So what I try to do is I try to extract as much value as I can over the course of that 30 minutes 
really giving listeners an opportunity to learn as much as possible so that at the end of each episode, anyone tuning in can feel like they're now in a position to better excel personally and better excel professionally. And I can tell you that by conducting these podcasts, with every interview I do, I feel like I'm learning a ton. Sometimes in these interviews, I'll tell guests that I wish I could take notes right now, but I can't because I'm interviewing. And what I do is I will go back and listen to my podcast, not because I like hearing my own voice, but because I like hearing what my guests have to say and learning from them because there's just so much wisdom from each and every one of these unbelievably successful people. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is interesting. I go back and listen to my shows periodically. Uh, and I, I'd be honest, I had 600 plus episodes in between all three of my shows. I, I still don't really like to hear myself talk, but I love my guests, man. And I learned so much. And, you know, as you're engaged as an interviewer, you're, you're looking for what's that next best question or where's that rabbit hole you can go down with your listener. And it's really valuable to go back and actually take the value that, uh, the episode offers as a listener. And I, I'm, I love what you're doing here. What, what was the catalyst for this? What made you start this show? I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Hmm. And I mentioned a little bit earlier in our conversation that I have another interview series where I go one-on-one with similar types of guests, except for 30-minute mentors. I really confine it to the most interesting, the most accomplished the people who I think listeners and just the broadest audience would find most compelling. But I've done interviews with over 350 really prominent CEOs, founders, celebrities, athletes, generals, admirals, influencers. And it's in Ariana Huffington's platform, Thrive Global. And they're written interviews. So you can go online and read them and there are 1,000 to 2,000 words, and it's a, good, it's, it's a good resource for anyone who is looking for bite-sized content to become um, you know, better informed, better equipped, better inspired, but I just felt like the podcast was taking that to the next level, and it was an opportunity to take that type of content, take those types of conversations and bring them to a similar audience, but do it in a way with more richness, with more flavor and with more impact. Yeah. So I, as a podcast host, the first thing I want to ask you selfishly is how do you get all these great guests? We're, we're, uh, is, it sounds like it's a lot of working unless you just, you've probably developed a, a pretty solid Rolodex over time, but how do you get these high quality guests? Yeah, I get asked this question quite a bit and the best advice that I can give to you and to anyone interested, and this is no different than the advice that I give on how the Velos group, when we just started we were just a name. It was the Velos group. No one had heard of us because we didn't exist for more than a couple of days. And it was just the company named after the street that I grew up on. How do you get people to come and work for you when you're not Google? How do you get great guests to come on your podcast? How do you attract anyone? And the best advice I can give is, build something that people want to be a part of, create something that people want to participate in. And by doing that, you will attract people. I know that when you build an e-commerce business, the worst advice someone can give you is if you build it, they will come because that is runs completely contrary to the fact that you need to have a good digital marketing campaign. You probably need to have a a good budget for paid search. You probably need to work on a lot of other things around driving customers to your platform. But I believe very strongly in 
what I learned by watching Field of Dreams, which is one of the greatest sports movies of all time. Agreed. All right. If you build it, they will come. So build it. Build something that people want to be a part of, whether that's a great company, a great culture, a great podcast. In my case, what I'm building with 30-Minute Mentors is I'm building a platform where I'm taking insights from literally the most successful, accomplished people all across America and making them accessible to anyone interested in becoming better in their lives personally and professionally. And who doesn't want to be a part of that? I mean, Eric, as you know all too well, as, as anyone listening who has attained any level of success knows, when you've become successful, when you've done something well, you want to share it with the world. You want to help others. You want to allow other people to become better in their lives. And I'm through 30-minute mentors in some way helping to facilitate that. It's there's so much truth to what you say. And I think I, I've, I've helped at least 10 people launch their podcast because I'm, it's brought so much value to my life, both personally and professionally, having all these, these shows, the future of fitness, fitness splits radio, and now the black diamond podcast. And, you know, in the future of fitness, which is B2B very small niche, right? B2B fitness industry. Um, you know, it's never going to be a huge grandiose audience and I'm cool with that, but I've had some big names within the fitness industry come on CEOs of large companies like Adam Zeitz of Golds and, um, CEO of my zone and all kinds of, you know, F45, these companies that are, are well-branded and growing exceptionally fast. And I'll get asked sometimes that question of like, why do you get these guests? And I just tell them, well, it's because I asked and Sometimes that's all it takes. Most people get in their head that, you know, so-and-so wouldn't want to be on, you know, NBA Hall of Fame or David Robinson wouldn't want to be on my show. Well, have you asked him? Have you got, have you tried? Have you reached out through all the venues? I mean, LinkedIn, you and I connected on LinkedIn, man. That's, or no, I'm sorry. We actually connected uh, through, I believe my, our, my agency. So there, there's so many different ways to get great guests. And I think first and foremost, you have to understand that you have to ask and that also, uh, I've noticed during my experience, I'd be curious to get your take on this, is that generally the more high profile a guest may seem, the more likely they are to say yes, because they say yes a lot. And they, like you said, they, they have stuff they want to share. They want to get it out there. And yeah, I, I think ultimately build something that people really want to be part of is hugely valuable advice. And the other thing is, you got to ask, you got to throw yourself out there and actually reach out and seek the person and find connections and, and get them, you know, the opportunity to be on your show too. Yeah. I, look, Eric, I, I think that anyone who is, and I, I don't know if this question is specifically targeted toward people interested in hosting podcasts or if it's more broadly focused on entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out how to recruit people or even hiring managers trying to understand how to bring in good talent. There's no one size fits all way of doing it. So yeah. if you look at the guests that I've had on my podcast, they've come in through all different avenues, through all different channels. Um, some are people who I've known for a long time. Some are friends of mine. Some are people who have reached out to me. Some are people who I've reached out to. It's just, it, it runs the gamut. Some are um, friends of guests. It's a guest could come on the podcast and have a great experience and say, hey, uh, Adam, I had an awesome time on the podcast. Why don't you interview so-and-so? And I'll say, absolutely. This person would be great. And it's no different when you're running a business. I can tell you as CEO of the Velos Group, we've sourced people over the years through all of those methods. Some of the people who have worked for us over the years are people who I've known for many years. Some are people who I've reached out to cold. Some are people who've reached out to me cold. Some are people who have been referred to us by other people who have worked for us. So I, I think it's just really important to 
keep an open mind and to be as resourceful as possible. And, and that, that philosophy, honestly, is less important as a podcast host because podcasting is fun. It's great. It's a way to add value to other people. But as an entrepreneur, you have to be super resourceful. You have to be as resourceful as possible because, look, at the end of the day, no matter what industry you're in, your competitors are, are really resourceful. I can tell you that in the industries we're in, we're competing against highly resourceful people. So we have to be as resourceful as possible at all times. Yeah, that's that's uh, exceptionally good advice. I can't remember what it was. It was a conversation that was taking place on one of uh, on LinkedIn from a podcast interview that I released recently with uh, the co-founder or the founder of Yonder. And the uh, someone made a great point. It was the quote. I don't. It was Jim Kroll. I don't want to butcher it, but it was something along the lines: "Sometimes it's not about your resources, but your resourcefulness." I was like. That's spot on, man. That's, that's, a like a post, that's a poster that should be on a wall somewhere uh, or many places. Uh, so yeah, your podcast is awesome, man. I, I just I appreciate that. I subscribe to it. I'm going to start digging into it. I'm really excited for it. Um, you know, I, at, towards the end of the, the interviews here, I like to just kind of dig out some of that relatability that we all have as entrepreneurs. And I'm curious, Adam, as your journey um, has got you to this point, you know, what's been one of the more challenging things personally as an entrepreneur that you've had to go through? Well, I'm a huge Angels fan. So this season has been, been a big personal challenge for me. Um, I had high hopes for this team this year. I could tell you the last, what are we in 2020? Yeah, I think so. The last 18 years have been very challenging for me personally as an Angel fan. So <laughs> I, it's been a struggle. My sophomore year of college was a great year. It was 2002. So now listeners know how old I am. If you're good at math. But 2002, the Angels won the World Series. The Lakers won the NBA championship. USC won the national championship. And I don't know. It's been a little bit rough since. Yeah, that's funny. I, uh, I'm a 49ers fan. Um, that's probably my number one team of all time. And uh, up until last year, it was, it was a little touch and go, man. And I have to say, if you are truly like, you know, if you grew up loving sports, played sports, um, the performance of your team can really drag you down some days. You know, uh, I, I'm emotionally spent after some of the losses we had to endure over the last 10 years. So um, I feel you, man. What, uh, as we look forward now, with all of your, your various endeavors, what's one of the biggest, you need, biggest needs you have within your professional life? Um, you know, Eric, that's, that's a good question. And when I'm asked this question, I don't have a great answer to it because our needs change on a daily basis. So as an entrepreneur, for example, we could have an issue that sprouts up. Like I'll give you an example. Yesterday, we had a team meeting for our office furniture business, and we were talking about shipping, shipping products from China. And, you know, who do we know or how do we figure out how to um, understand logistically how to ship from all these different sources in a cost-effective way, yada, yada. But we'll figure that out. And realistically, by the time the show airs, hopefully we'll figure that out. So... I don't know that I have one glaring need today. I, if there is one ask, I will ask anyone listening to uh, tune into 30 minute mentors. I'm, you know, just really trying to grow and share that content to the best of my ability. It's not something that I'm monetizing. It's not an entrepreneurial uh, venture for me as of today. But my hope really is that it's an opportunity to inspire others, that it's an opportunity to really help people become more successful entrepreneurs and more successful leaders. At some point, hopefully I'll monetize it. But if there is one ask, it would really be to check it out. If you don't like it, don't listen, don't come back. But if you do like it, subscribe, become a fan, tell your friends. Um, so that's what I tell people is, you know, just sort of on a personal note, um, 
and again, it's not something that I'm making a penny off of. On the contrary, Eric, as you know, being a podcaster, until you hit real scale, you're, uh, you're investing. So for me, it's an investment, but it's a labor of love. And it's something that um, when you're passionate about it, you want to just do it and spend as much time as you can on it. Um, and hopefully anyone who tunes in can feel that passion, can feel that love, and can gain as much value from it as I aspire to give over to listeners. That's great. Yep. And I, I'm there with you, man. I, I do podcasting, um, you know, in full transparency. I never make a dollar directly off my show, nor do I have any really direct plans to do so. I do it because I love it. I do it because I value the, the relationships I, I get from people like you. I do it because um, it educates an audience. And, you know, frankly, uh, I do it the opposite of free. I actually pay to do it because I love it so much. So it's, uh, it's a gift is the way I see it. It's a gift to myself and listeners and guests. And it's, it's an awesome thing. One, one last question for, for you, Adam, before I let you go. Which is a great perspective. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, what are you digesting right now? Book, audiobook, podcasts, uh, was there anything that you can recommend for us that you're digesting right now? I, I literally just digested a protein shake. So that was where I thought you were going with it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, can, I can recommend a few books to okay. listeners. I can recommend some, I mean, as far as podcasts go, I've been laser focused, not only on my podcast, but I've been very fortunate Eric, to go on your podcast to go jump on another, other great podcasts. But um, on the, in terms of books I could recommend, I'll recommend some great books I've read over the years and some that I've uh, read more recently. So the one book that I always recommend when I am asked in these platforms and just when I'm asked in general, uh, it's a book that I read a number of years ago and it's called The Best and the Brightest. It was written by David Halberstam, who is uh, my favorite author of all time. And it's not technically speaking a business book. You're not going to find it in the business section of Barnes and Noble uh, or in the business section of Amazon.com. But it's as good a business book as you're going to find. It's as good a leadership book as you're going to find. Anyone who's interested in building, leading, and managing teams should read The Best and the Brightest. It will teach you uh, so many great lessons on what works and more importantly, what doesn't work when it comes to building organizations. It was really about uh, how and why we got into Vietnam, what went wrong, and lessons learned. So that's a book I recommend. I also love all of Gladwell's books, The Tipping Point. Great book. Excellent. Yeah, Outliers, great book. A book that I read more recently, which I highly recommend, is a book um, written by General Martin Dempsey. Uh, do you know General Dempsey? I don't. I don't think okay, I do. So, okay, so General Martin Dempsey is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And for listeners who are not familiar with uh, General Martin Dempsey or what the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff does. Um, General Dempsey was the highest ranking military officer in America under President Obama. So the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff is the highest ranking military officer and is the primary military advisor to the president of the United States. So General Dempsey was actually a guest on my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors. And a great guy had a great conversation with General Dempsey. We covered a wide range of topics. And General Dempsey wrote a book called No Time for Spectators. It's a great book on leadership. It covers not only his journey as a leader, but a ton of really applicable advice for anyone interested in leadership, no matter where you are on your leadership journey. I can tell you one thing, and there are a lot of great tidbits in there. 
I can tell you one thing that I learned from that book and, um, and I learned a, a ton from the interview, but one thing I learned from that book, General Dempsey, one of his core axioms of leadership is before you can become a great leader, you need to be a, a great follower. And I just thought that was so interesting. I'd never heard that before. And it, it's clearly, you know, clearly aligns with what they teach you in the military. I'd never served in the military, but no matter where you're serving, no matter what industry you're in, it's so true. It's so relevant. Before you can become a great leader, you need to be a great follower. And that's just one of many, many great tips that you'll get by either listening to General Dempsey on my podcast or reading his book, No Time Perspectives. That's great. Yeah, it looks like he was episode number 18 on your show, so people can go right to it. Um, Adam, I'm, I know we're pushing up on time. So once again, man, I, I just want to thank you for coming on. Your insights were awesome. Your um, authenticity and, and openness about talking about entrepreneurship is, is truly appreciated. And, you know, uh, from one podcaster to the next, I, I really admire what your work, what you're doing. I know it's a lot of work. Um, it's a lot of fun too, um, but uh, it is a lot of work. So keep it up and uh, I look forward to uh, our next conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. This was such a fun conversation and hopefully a conversation that added a little bit of value to your listeners. And thanks for having me. And thanks to anyone who took the time to tune in and to listen. Yeah, you got it. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Mendler. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So, if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast, and you can expect a lot more from us.